Welcome to a new episode of Behind the Scenes of Happiness, Motivation for Motivators. I'm your host, Christoph Spiesens. Everyone, however experienced, can benefit from coaching and emotional skill development. Wise words from today's podcast guest, elite performance coach and performance psychologist, Stuart Holiday. In this candid episode, we talk about how Stuart manages his own emotions as a practitioner, as a psychologist, and running his own business in order to be able to operate at his best for the service of his clients. We also discuss the role of spirituality, his view on what motivation really means, and much, much more. You don't want to miss this one. Enjoy. Really excited to be talking to Stuart Holiday today, who runs a performance psychology consultancy called Focus Mind Coaching. He's based mainly in Manchester, and he works with individuals and groups to fully realize their potential and optimize performance in the fields of business, sport, and also music. So, Stuart, a very warm welcome to the podcast. It is great to have you as a guest today. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. I'm, I'm at the very end of a cold and uh, at the end of the year, just regrouping to build up my energy for 2019. Sounds great. It is that time of the year where everything is kind of, it's time for a, it's time for a recharge, I would, <laughs> I would say. Time for reflection and recharge. By way of background for our listeners, Stuart and I have met on a couple of occasions before. And when I invited Stuart to come on my podcast, he quite firmly told me that he was interested, yet he did not believe in motivation as a thing. Of course, I have to come back to that. Stuart, why do you not believe in motivation? What's your gripe? Okay, let me just try and um, (laughs) answer your, your question more fully. So, I mean, obviously, I do believe in motivation as a, as a concept. It's what we, we have as uh, human beings. It fluctuates. So I think, really, it's less about do we have it than more about how useful is motivation as a tool. And, you know, your, your, your podcast is called Motivation for Motivators, and it's about how people in the coaching, mental well-being, in my case, psychology sector, keep their own cup full and... This is the problem that with motivation being a fluctuating concepts as a, as a way in which we feel and act in the world, emotions are nev- never consistent. I've always worked more on commitment uh, rather than motivation because if you're looking to do, run a business, if you're looking to show up and, you know, like with, I, I worked down in London for a, for an, a brilliant organization, a wellbeing organization called Sanctus, where we go into more businesses and we're like the day counselor for people to be able to come in and talk about anything they want and how they're coping and dealing with the world and try and understand their inner working better. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there are time, most of the time, luckily my motivation is quite high and I love doing what I do. I know my why, but we all have days where we feel under the weather. We have days where we're not motivated, but if you're committed, then you still turn up and you still deliver. And so for me, it's, it's being mindful that you might have days where you're not quite your full self or very much not your full self, but you still have to show up and you still have to own your um, behavior, your own 
set of emotions. And, you know, well, that's what we, we modulate people and their, their world through our emotions. So that's why I love what you're doing with this podcast, because it's, it's saying we recognize how much you guys are out in the field. And, you know, if I'm a shoemaker, mm. then my tools, are, you know, the hammer and the anvil and the nails and all these things. Whereas for us, our tool is ourselves and our brains and our emotions. So it's very easy to get those burnt out, very easy for them to just get worn through. And that's why your podcast is so helpful to give people the tools to kind of be one normalized that their experience. So you had Natalie Rossiter on the other day and you know, she talks about what she does with her mm. mindful walking, which is great and how she, she manages her performance. And for me, you know, I, I'm very self-aware. I have to, with my uh, training, I have to go and uh, have supervision and I have to do mm. self-care for looking after myself in dealing with people in all kinds of different situations. Mm -hmm. um, but there are days where I don't want to show up. <laughs> there are days where I'd rather not go in. And, and so my motivations through the... Yeah, and that's where the commitment comes in rather than the motivation. Precisely. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Now, Stuart, um, you mentioned Natalie Rossiter, who indeed was one of my uh, previous guests. By way of a, a general explanation for the listeners, how does a psychologist differ from a counsellor? Because some people might be wondering, because you're a psychologist. Natalie was a counsellor. Yeah, I've actually done some work with uh, Natalie in the past. I went to a mindfulness workshop she did, which is brilliant. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of this year, actually, about setting intentions, funnily enough. I really love what she does, and I do want to go on one of her uh, mindful group walks. But mm. um, so there's a sort of, I was talking with, about this with, of all people, an osteopath this week. And uh, they have a practice just near the Olympic Stadium in London, and he does a lot of sports massage and osteopathy. And he was, they have some in house counseling, and it's really a very skilled way of listening and, and allowing people to sort of expand on what might be going on and offering possible solutions or getting the person to think about the solutions that might work, work for them. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as in depth as you might have with therapy counseling. Um, not to say that it's not without a hell of a lot of value for, sure. for people. This is my understanding and it probably okay. isn't dictionary definition. And if Natalie was here, she might well be in, in, improving my understanding and definition. So I'm going to take the fifth to say this is this is just me saying it's freestyling and, and <laughs> the, give the, you what I understand. That, that's absolutely <laughs> fine because I I knew I was going to of course ask the question and I've done my own googling around the topic and it's the, it's not as clearly defined as one might think. So. I would like to start our conversation, Stuart, with, you mentioned the word Olympic a few moments ago. You were actually part of the Rio Olympics in 2016 in a psychologist supporting role. And you did some amazing work there. Would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit what your involvement was in the project? Well, yeah, that kind of neatly kind of finishes off what you were asking me about, the difference between counselors and psychologists as well. If you look at the dictionary definition of psychologist, it also talks about being able to understand and hear what people are saying and offer, offer solutions and, and guidance. So you might use methods and techniques such as uh, CBT or people have probably heard of that, other forms of psychotherapy, dynamic, uh, whatever your tools are that you use in your trade. And in, in, in the performance setting, you're usually trying to help people understand themselves first and foremost and then get them to kind of set measurable changes that they might need in order to help them move from where they are to where they want to go mm -hmm. 
So in 2013, I started, I 20, yeah, just after the 2012 games, I'd work, started work for Professor Steve Peters and um, mm-hmm. him and his team were in a number of programs like canoeing, taekwondo, equestrian and cycling. At the time, I, I would been doing some doctoral work at university. I was keen to be more applied and I managed to get a role working with him and I got put in the archery program. Fantastic. So I'd be going down uh, two, two days a week, generally to the um, place near Telford where the archery program is based. Mm-hmm. And it was about trying to work with a group of athletes there who were on a team squad in order to help them realize their goals and ambitions and try and help them as much as all the other sports scientists, like the strength and conditioning and the uh, physiotherapy and other other people to um, be the best they could be at their discipline in order to be able to compete and qualify for Rio. So you mentioned uh, Professor Stevens. I actually was in a local Waterstones yesterday and saw a book, My Hidden Chimp, which is really the chimp paradox but translated to towards kids and teenagers and um, fantastic book by the way it's very visual i think yesterday after 15 years in learning and development i discovered that i'm a visual learner um, great great messages in the book Stuart, do you have a chimp and how do you manage it <laughs> well we all do it's just a a metaphor for a part of our brain that we all we are all born with. So in that mm-hmm. case, we, unless you have some very unfortunate um, condition, you you've been born with one. And I was listening to uh, a colleague of mine at Sanctus talk about it on, on his on another podcast that he did, where mm-hmm. he's working with someone I know to help them understand how they are and what's going on with their emotions. He didn't call it chimp, but he was talking about our more primal. Mm-hmm. Um, the, deep-seated emotions uh it's sort of touching on what freud was describing when he was talking about the id if you understand about what the id is in um psychotherapy so yeah it's about understanding there's almost two sides to your character like the incredible hulk uh lovely christoph and then sometimes more kind of incredible hulk when uh there is a hungry angry (laughs) comes with the comes with the package you are you clear on your chimp insofar as i myself aware Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the thing, you know, if you work in this field, you have to be working nearly at your own inner game. And part of doing that is understanding, uh, you know, we talked a bit earlier about how you have to be trying to be as fresh as possible working with people because you're modulating their emotions through your interactions with them. Mm-hmm. So you need to know your biases. I'm so sorry about this. Hang on. It's okay, don't worry. Yeah, you're, you know, you are, you are trying to use yourself as a tool and the instrument to sort of help people gain insight and learn about themselves and, and build and progress on what they've already got. Sometimes just almost reaching into what exists in them that maybe they just can't find yet. Mm. So you need to be aware of how, you're, how you act, behave, and come across blind spots you may have, particularly around the way in which you interact with people and how that can maybe detract from the good work that you do. So, and and just on a general level, you know, knowing that, you know, if I'm tired and run down, it's easy to go to the cupboard and grab food and comfort eat, you know, we all do things like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when we're not at our best and we're driving and we're getting a little bit ragey, those kind of things. So being aware of your emotional states that quite, you know, your patterns of thinking that 
sometimes you're a bit dysfunctional and don't help you be everything you can. If you can do that and then work at your own emotional growth, then you're doing a good job, whether or not you're a practitioner or just a human being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Now, you know that as part of my role as the, the host of this very show, I need to, and I say this in every episode, I need to be a little bit of a devil's advocate in order to really make what we are talking about extra relevant to our listeners and credible. Mm. Because I think when a message is credible, then it becomes extra powerful. So in that spirit, I'm going to share something that I think links quite nicely with the chimp we're talking about, with the Olympics we're talking about. And that is this morning, I watched two interviews on YouTube with the most decorated Olympian of all times, Michael Phelps. Mm. And he is, or he has opened up um, to the world about his battles with depression, with anxiety. And in his new leadership role that he has taken on, he's setting many, many people free because he has lowered the threshold in terms of making these conversations okay to talk about and, and, and allowing the healing process to begin. Now, my devil's advocate question, Stuart, is how can someone who has been given so much psychological support throughout his career still experience anxiety or depression how does that square up well if you have depression there are it's a very complex disorder and it's not necessarily something that you suddenly wake up one day and have you know you can have a predisposition or almost mm. born with it and it's it's a very difficult cluster of symptoms that come together to, to, to present. And this just sounds very pathological and very medical in what I'm saying, but this is my understanding from what I've been taught and my insight. Mm -hmm. So you, you can have, you know, very much the biological basis. You can have, people can have depression, develop it through circumstances as well. Now we don't know what Michael Phelps's personal history and situation is, whether he's maybe a bit more, someone who's had more biological predisposition, he might have had various experiences that led him oh. to have it. We don't really know lots and we, we, we haven't got a complete handle on, on depression as a, as a thing. So really by saying, how can someone have lots of psychology and still have depression mm -hmm. is, is almost the wrong question. Cause it, 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 I don't like to use the word disease. Condition is might be a better word. Mm. Come, come about through so many different ways and be treated in so many different ways that it's entirely, in my book, it's entirely possible that you could mm. be, both getting great psychological treatment and still have that or anxiety. You know, somewhere, somewhere in the region of about 30% of the population have anxiety Absolutely. at different points. Mm. You know, it would be considered a medical condition. Mm. But yeah, entirely, yeah, it's entirely possible to square those two things. I am very, I'm very clear on the, and that's why, you know, I came with the disclaimer. I'm very clear on, on, on the nature of that question being tricky. But the reason why I asked is because the majority of our listeners are people who are in a helping profession. And mm. so they are very much an athlete in their specific role. And they are very informed, they're very educated, they're very experienced, and they're extremely committed. And yet, we too experience bouts of anxiety, depression, uncertainty, whatever you want to label it. 
So I, I think what I personally find fantastic whenever athletes or, or famous people and or famous people, I should say, open up uh, about their challenges or their situation is that it just drives home the point that this can, you know, this is a part of life for, for, for so many people and that you can still be on, on, a, on a note of reassurance, I suppose, that you can still be effective and great at what you do despite sometimes needing time out for yourself as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you can't really argue with the most decorated Olympian of all time. Mm. You know, <laughs> that, 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 although we don't know much about depression, you can't argue with the facts of all those gold medals and times mm. and performances. That's one thing which we can be certain of. We've seen them. We've got the, you know, the stats and we've got the medals and the video footage to show. But, mm. yeah, it's, um, it's helpful to be able to share stories from across different fields for people to gain more education and knowledge around uh, mental well-being and mental health for themselves. And uh, I don't, the one thing I, I, I've noticed in the last week or so is, is just sometimes how you have to, as a practitioner, you have to step back with all this knowledge you've got in your head mm-hmm. and experience and kind of like you're saying, always being like an athlete and how, how dare I use the word strong or certainly experienced. Mm-hmm you might be and then you talk to someone who's never engaged in any level of thinking about their thinking or seeing a professional or whatever it might be and just how new it can be to someone and, and uh, almost life-changing when they kind of almost open the lid on the box and say oh there's this whole area for growth and development mm-hmm. that has been in my mm-hmm. psyche forever and I've never really tapped into it mm-hmm. it's like an extra energy or area for discovery and I think as a practitioner, you have to stand back and go, oh yeah, it's new for somebody else. Respect that first and foremost. And then also go easy with these people because if mm. they were going to a gym or something to get fit, you know, that they're going to find what you're starting to talk about either complex and mm. baffling with language or just quite hard to get started with. What can I do to help myself? You know, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take someone who wants to get fit and just make them run 20 miles. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you know, you'd, you'd break them in gently. Sure. Like right smack bang in the middle of your homepage on your website, um, there's a statement saying everyone, however experienced, can benefit from coaching and emotional skill development. Mm-hmm. How do you support yourself with your emotional skill development? What do you do if you don't mind me asking on a you know when when it's when it's a difficult day yeah well how do you stay uh, committed uh, it's not, well well this is the thing that you've actually you've answered it you, you've always answered the question before I've, I've had a chance to uh say i don't pick myself up on the bad days mm. that's not how i work i have a practice that i work at every day if not every day six out of seven and it's how I build and construct my life. And it works for me. And I know that it, it works for, if you look at the best in the world, uh, um, uh, growth and flourishment, it, 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 it's practices and habits that work for, for most people. And so some people might find it excessive, but it's a, it's a routine that works for me. I, I, I tend to wake and I have a, a back room here at my house where I tend to almost drag myself out of bed and go and try and sit in most mornings. I light a candle, which sort of sets the mood, and I have my uh, meditation, and I will 
first and foremost, just wake up and meditate. Wake, wake up and meditate? Is that possible? But yeah, meditate <laughs> and set my intention for how I want to live my day. Um, so it's how I want to be and how I want to be within myself and in my interactions with others. And that, that is a great way to get started. It's almost like a kickstart to get things going. And I, uh, sometimes I have a mental warm-up that I can tap into and use, and I'd advise athletes that I was working with in the past to do the same. So I, I eat my own dog food and do with that. And so I train a lot for my physical health, and maybe part of it is right, put yourself in the right headspace to go out and run or mm-hmm. do some gym work or core or whatever it might be. And then that's how I start my day. Sure. And I try and check in. I try and check in with myself during the day and say, how are we doing against the intention? And do we need to step back another bit or do something? And on a weekly basis, I'll do a, a reflective piece. I've got a system I'm just trialing at the moment where I, um, I've, I've got how I want to be in the world and how, how in the week did I stack up against the expectations set for myself. And they're, they're good ones. You know, they're all really process-driven, good, healthy habits and behaviors that aren't completely, you know, off the dial. Now, I'm not asking myself to be Michael Phelps or anything like this. It's just like, how are you doing again, what you're wanting to be? And then I've had trouble with my sleep um, over the last few years. <laughs> Ironically, I could teach about sleep hygiene and I'm trying to get better myself. So, like, I've changed my caffeine habits and um, I'm trying very hard with the blue screen of death mm-hmm. to uh, take that me and also be reading more so i want to read more but i also want to get away from the phone in in the in the evening so i'm trying and this is this is what i'm struggling with is trying to put the phone down apart from setting the alarm so that i give my eyes the rest that they need Mm -hmm. um i want to be less tethered to phone and social media and get back into old-fashioned books and it's a great way to fall asleep to be reading and I've even had a bit of help from someone around my sleep who's done a recorded uh, kind of hypno thing. Right. So often, I, the last thing I'll often hear is their voice sort of giving me this deep hypno, uh, which yeah, really puts me to sleep. Mm-hmm. The only problem is my problem isn't going to sleep. My problem is early awakening. <laughs> so, so if you, anyone can help me with like staying uh, asleep uh, when I get up in the morning, that would that'd be the best Thing someone could offer me. <laughs> Although I, I, I am, interestingly now, coming to the end of the year, I'm able to go back to sleep more than I have been. Right. So I've had a few tips from people and I'm, I'm, I'm trialing them. And this is the thing, you know, I'm, I, I like to try and help people in the way I can, but I, I like to try and really, like I said, eat my own dog food and sure. try and really try and do the stuff myself. So when I, the amount of people I talk to about trying to meditate, and I don't get it right. You know, I am by no means calling myself the best meditator in the world, ever. You know, like, far from it. But when I hear people say, well, I tried it once or twice and then I gave up so hard. I'm like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Tell me about what you did. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's go back here and let's let work, work from the beginning. Maybe you went into the gym and you tried to lift the heavy weights and then you go, why, you know, the, the gym's no good for me, so I need to give up the gym, you know? Like, no, mm. no, 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 just use smaller weights, you know? Use a different approach. Step it and mm. I've got someone who, someone in my athletics club who's brilliant at what they do. And I've been goading them and I'm saying, right, I'm going to give you a 30-day challenge and we're going to do this together. We're going to be doing the meditation together. So I'm going to come up with a program. And every morning, 
they have to follow what I do and I follow what they do. So like this, maybe, you know, day one, 10 minute meditation. Uh-huh. And then we're going to check in with each other. So I'm going to hold them to account. They're going to hold me to account. And it's just going to be a bit of fun for a talk I'm doing in a, in a, in a month or so. But I just think that, I think often if you can try and have other people that you're sharing your journey with and like doing these things, it, it uh-huh. can often motivate you to motivate you That's to be cool. committed, yeah. uh, to stay, to stay Stay on the on the path because when you're trying to do it all yourself, there are days where you just can't be bothered and and you can slack. Uh-huh. So if there's the, you can really pay, when you have a bad day but you do your good habits, I think that's almost a better win than when you're feeling great, flourishing, and you right. I'm going to do my meditation or whatever. Mm. But yeah, that's that's kind of like how I approach things. Excellent. Some great tools and processes that you've shared there. Thank you very much. Now, you know that I'm a fairly spiritual kind of guy. Um, You mentioned meditation a lot. Is there room for, you know, I believe in mind, body, spirit, holistic approach to our well-being and and maintaining our well-being. Is there room for, and I'm not talking anything religious here, but is there room for spirituality in a psychologist's world absolutely mm-hmm. um i don't even I, I i've been on a very long five-year journey of development it's still ongoing i've still got to get my chartership next year or mm-hmm. just literally into 2020 yeah i i that, that my body spirit that you talk about is completely where i come from and maybe the prism of being in sport allows me a little indulgence which uh, wouldn't be afforded to other practitioners because okay. you know you've heard me already today just using the analogy about you know if you go to the gym or whatever and I don't want to reduce mental our mental world down to being equal to its physical it's just another aspect so you're right it's the mind it's the body and the spirit mm-hmm. and how they all interact and intertwine and I, as you heard me say, I like to train my body. I know that you, you're someone who's well, who, who looks after themselves. We've, you know, you told me I've come from the gym or you've done something physical. So you look sense, look after yourself on the, the emotional side. And um, so that's why I do this practice. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the spirit, yeah, there's, there's absolute room for it. Whether or not you're someone who is a believer of organized religion or just the, the human spirit sure. even. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a, again, it's a, continu- it's a continuum of, you know, there are some practitioners, you look at someone like John Kabat-Zinn, who's very famous in America, uh, less so here, but still very well known. And, you know, he is one of the world's leading mindfulness practitioners mm-hmm. and great work, great books and very spiritual person. And I, I've really looked into this this year and I'm very interested in the work of people like Jack Cornfield in America. Mm-hmm. And, and actually looking at my practice and thinking, and actually coming all 60 and going, well, hang on a minute, am I a, am I a human here who does, who kind of like has a spiritual side or am I a spiritual person with a human side? And I'm more to the thinking of the latter rather than the former. We are spiritual people on a, you know, on a human journey, uh, whether or not we're, we're aligned or tapped into that. But, you know, like I, I've, I've read a great article which says, you know, when you, when you tap into your spirit, it could be spending time with your family and loved ones at the weekend because you're working so hard. How much energy does, the, energy does that give back to you mm-hmm. for your work the next week? It might be something as very simple like that. Or it could be going on a Buddhist mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, It's what works for you. 
Yeah, and the awareness of that or around that is very helpful indeed. So, you, you, Stuart, you mentioned the word article. I read in one of your articles, and I would like to end with this question, um, that all of us mm -hmm. and that everyone that you work with, that you speak to, has untapped potential. And it really kind of leapt out at me, those words, um, because my immediate question was, how does he measure that? Now, this is interesting because now you're the one that sounds like a psychologist. <laughs> how can we put a measure on like how we can be at a certain percentage or, or, or like at scale of potential and how can we reach two or three more points to be able to help you fulfill that potential? And it's quite funny because I'm in, in the world I work, you know, in, in my chartership work, we are always looking for measurable scientific outcomes. I'm doing a project uh at university in the midlands with mm -hmm. a professor and i've got to be able to do some of this kind of that side of it but look at it this way christoph we what do we know about the way the human emotions work and what we know pretty pretty, with pretty much certainty from other stuff is that people are very good at underestimating their capability and it's it's tied in with what you're describing as the chimps things people even though you might have some kind of narcissist or very ego driven kind of people who will beat their chest and say they're the best in the world, blah, blah, blah. Most people aren't like that. And most people tend to defer and want to fit into the group hmm. and will downplay the world. Oh, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not that great or special. And then to themselves very much the same. You know, I've sat with so many people in the last few months who are, if you met them, you'd be going, God, they're high flyers. And yet they almost doubt themselves and their full capabilities. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I've only met them and I'm like, I see that potential in them. And it's almost turning it around to say, how good do you think you can be? And that's not necessarily earning a big work or in terms of moving up the corporate ladder or becoming an elite Michael Phelps or whoever. It's mm -hmm. just about tapping into that absolute being uh, the full version of yourself, mm. coming back to your spiritual point. Do we have that responsibility? Or is it an opportunity? How would you define it? Is it an opportunity perhaps more than a responsibility? Or Well, let's, 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 let's put it like this way. You know, like, I mean, it is absolutely the second thing you said. It's an opportunity for people. Mm. Mm. And people probably know they might be underestimating themselves. And they're coming to you and they're not quite fully aware that they think they've got more in them but they're not sure how to get there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you look at an athlete um talking to a coach the athlete will tend to be the one who says i can be pretty good but the coach will go they really underestimate how good they could be they think an x level runner they could be a y level runner or mm -hmm. athlete or whatever it might be and you know that person knows them intimately knows the balls and can help extract it and mm. help pump up belief, that belief within themselves. Mm. So I think it's much more around helping people to transform their thinking, to allow them to be able to step into that capacity space to really, even if they don't get the full way, to sort of see there's more than they're currently experiencing mm. and getting them to enjoy the process of getting to know it. Because when you see it happen to people, like I worked with a girl last week, just as an example. I'd seen her three, two or three months ago. Lovely girl, quite quietly spoken. And she had got all the pieces together when we had first talked. And then she came back the other week to check in with me. 
And I said, oh, what's been going on with you? And she told me about how her, after our session, the confidence had flourished. She had stood up for herself more at home and at work. Mm. And not in a bad way, kind of like, but just standing firm in her beliefs and saying, I don't agree with that, or this mm. is how I think we should do something. Mm. And she felt better for it. And then she was talking about her leisure time and she now had a, a craft she's doing, literally craft like in sewing and needlework. And she saw a way she could really mm-hmm. fit with a friend. In a, possibly talking about maybe doing it, you know, like as a possible long-term business idea. And, you know, this was fantastic to see them turn around from where they had come from to really talk around like, you know, like mm-hmm. I could, if you, if you had a camera in the room, on the first session and the camera in the room on the second you wouldn't need to be a psychologist to see the difference in this person how they were talking what they're talking about doing how their body language was their smile mm. their engagement with the world it was just great and that's that's the kind of strength about where i i can help people with what i do i, I don't i don't instill something in them or tell them this is what we're we're i'm going to give you like a almost like an upgrade on your, on your mobile phone it's just like you got this in you let's clear out the debris out of the way and let's help you kind of just be better at being you Mm -hmm. yeah and if people want to experience similar outcomes working with you Stuart, how can they best get in touch with you where can we find you (laughs) thank you uh well i'm on twitter it's at stew holiday uh two l's in holiday by the way Mm -hmm. and i am on instagram as focus at focus my coaching LinkedIn is where I do a lot of uh, posts these days. I do thought pieces on there around sport and business and sometimes the link between the two and human performance and mental conditioning, just so, whether that's for the practitioner level or for just the man on the street and, and things that I've been doing and projects I've been working on. And um, yeah, so that they're the main areas that you can find me. And my website, which I'm redeveloping this month, is www.focusmycoaching.co.uk. Brilliant. And Stuart, thank you so much for being a great guest, for sharing your wonderful energy and your thoughts, your insights. And it's, I find it extremely, I was going to use the word reassuring, and maybe that is the right word, but I'm sure that every listener individually will, will interpret it in, in his or her own way. I find it reassuring to hear a psychologist talk on, on, a, on a holistic, you, you come from a holistic approach to improving mental well-being and that you can see the, the value of that. And then it's not all about the almighty mind, but that it's really about looking at everything that's playing a role in our lives and all, everything that potentially creates blocks and everything that can potentially help us, you know, remove those blocks. So it was a very, um, very refreshing conversation today so thank you very much for your time and i hope to see you around soon take it easy thank you very much thanks for your time and also just inspiring me to kind of explore other areas of self-development and growth human potential um and and educate me it's a it's a brilliant process that's been rich for me to work into my practice as well so may the thanks go back in your direction too thank you very much Stuart. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you want to connect with me, please visit christophspeasons.com 
you can of course also find me on all major social media and if you're enjoying behind the scenes of happiness why not leave a review on your favorite podcast platform subscribe or perhaps share your favorite episodes with your friends and colleagues if you have feedback or you would like to get involved send me an email at connect at thank you and i'll speak to you again on the next episode